and welcome to Happy Hour. This is your two for one being made especially for www.sobertownpodcast.com, your one-stop sobriety shop. And for the last two and a half years or so, Polly A and I have had several meetings over Zoom with our cups of tea and we're just sitting in the same room having a cup and having a chat. And today we are actually doing it for real. Look, we're actually going to chink. Ready? Chin, chin. <laughs> so we're here together in sunny, sunny England. Yes. Um, and we're just going to have a little catch up of what we've been doing in all the times we've been gone. Yeah, because we haven't done a podcast together for quite a while. I mean, we started um, way back when SoberTownPodcast.com was getting its feet off the ground. And we started with our two-for-ones. Yep. Happy hour. Um, and like I say, we've had so much go on within the last year or so, over a year actually, that We've been concentrating on other things. We're still working on air sobriety. Mm-hmm. That never stops. Yeah, but we have met, though. Well, yes. The podcast, we have, have met a few times over yeah. the last year, haven't we? So yes. that's been good. Um, and we're always in contact, which is even better because connection yeah. is key. Because um, I got to meet with you. I came over here to celebrate my 70th birthday with the family. But also my driving thing for that month and coming over. And I said to my kids at the time, because as we know, since February, I've moved from the USA over to the UK, moved back here. And I said to my kids, I'm leaving you early. You will have me back here permanently. But I felt this burning need to visit with you and Andy mm-hmm. because I didn't know if I would get to see Andy again. And it was so important to me to come and visit and uh, see Andy. Yeah, it was. And it was a lovely visit. And it I've was. got a lovely photo of all three of us hugging away. And he was good at the time. He he looked well at the time. He wasn't brilliant. No. But um, he was still smiling. And uh, it, that's the memory I'm left with. Good. Is that one. Good. From when we visited in yeah. February. Since then, you've lost Andy. Well, you haven't lost him. He's still around. Yeah. And he passed um, into the spiritual world or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. And you have been going gangbusters. Yeah. I've been going a bit nutty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you keep saying you're running away, but you're not running away. Uh, they gave us a gift. Uh, yes, they did. The gift to, to go and, and be. And I think one of the things, I know if the roles had been reversed, then... Um, Andy would have been eating, sleeping, and living his life. And it's kind of funny. It's almost like some of that's come into me because that's what I've been doing. And I definitely am living. I'm eating probably a bit too much. Ditto. <laughs> but I'm six weeks free of sugar, so that's good. That was my cross addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, I've had a nice afternoon nap. That covered the sleeping today, <laughs> didn't it? I had to have an afternoon Mind nap. Mind you, we did, did do a lot of walking today. We did do lots yeah. and lots of walking. So... So, yeah, and, and I remember actually when Andy first passed, I remember my son, bless him, saying to both my brother and my mum, I'm worried about my mum picking up the bottle again. And I had to reassure him and say that I would not do that. Mm-hmm. You have no worries because 
Andy was so proud of me in the same way that Dan was yeah. so proud of you. And I think, you know, that would be such a dishonour to their their memory. Would be and to... It's a dishonour to the support they gave us because they mm. were with us 100% supporting us through those early days of sobriety and onwards. And they were our biggest cheering section, mm. apart from our sober town and IAS communities. They were the ones that were with us the 24-7 time. Yeah. Listening to us going, oh, yeah. you know, and, and putting up with us. Because I don't know about you, but during that first year, I was addicted to my phone. Yes, absolutely. And the second year addicted to my laptop because my book. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've so, done yeah. a lot. And, you know, they, they were very, very patient during it all. Yeah. But um, you've done more than just not pick up the bottle to honour Andy. What else have you done? Well, one of the things that always got Andy out of hospital was the thought of riding his bike. And um, as many people may already know that two years ago, Andy and I set off on a quest to ride the coast of the UK, raising um, awareness, really, positive living with disability and with sobriety. Mm -hmm. And my can Amrika, and his, which is a three-wheeled trike and his two-wheeled motorbike, and we did that for the first year. What a lot of people didn't know is that Andy had been diagnosed with leukemia again. And every month we had to go back to Bart's hospital. So we, I think our longest trip was about three and a half weeks that we did. And we did quite a bit in that first year. Last year, not quite so much because Andy's illness really ramped up. But we did manage between us to go from Exeter anti-clockwise right the way up to Scarborough and that was our last rider actually was up to to Yorkshire when we um met some soap ladies yeah. up there yeah so that was really good in fact two two minutes before we were due to meet them we actually had a little collision on the bike I remember <laughs> yes and um Andy's bike had to go off on a trailer um but one of the girls Kim 44 bless her came and picked me up and then Andy rode my can and to the pub and we sat and had had lunch so that was our actual last tour out, really. And then after that, things we had to wait a while for his bike to get back. And then a lot of November, December, he was in hospital. But the one thing that always got Andy out of hospital was the thought of riding his bike. And he would ride his bike again. And in fact, a couple of days before he died, he would ride his bike again. And I'm sure he is up there. You know, I, I remember saying to him sort of a month or so after he passed, of like, talking to him about what is he riding, what bikes he got now. And saying, well, you probably don't have to do that. You could probably fly wherever you want to go now. And I could hear him saying, why fly when you can ride your bike? That's it. Where's the fun in that? So when he was in hospital just before he died, we'd been planning our next tour. And our next tour was to go around the coast of Wales. And if he felt up to it and if I felt up to it, we were then going to ride around the coast of Ireland. But sadly, he didn't make it out of hospital. Mm -hmm. And about a month after he'd passed, I just looked at his photo and said, shall I do it? And I heard him say, go for it. You can do it. And so I set off on a 29-day, very wet and windy tour <laughs> around Wales and around Ireland. But I raised £2,500 for Maggie's for Cancer you. Care Centre. So that was good. Um, and you've got a YouTube channel documenting it. Yeah. So I started vlogging as well because Andy was my wingman. And in so many ways, mm -hmm. um, in so many, I've always said that, you know, big support for my sobriety, um, in my confidence. When I got back with Andy, I was in a wheelchair some of the time and using a walking aid, like walking frame all of the time. 
And he gave me the belief in me um, to get back out there to, to get the bike. I couldn't ride on two wheels because of balance issues, but we researched and we found the, the bumblebee, as we call her. And um, it was the best physiotherapy, the best confidence booster ever, really. And Andy gave me that that confidence to go and do that. And I've forgotten what your question was. Can you remember <laughs> what that question was? So yeah, so sorry. So he was my wingman for all of that, my champion, my cheerleader, but also um he literally was my wingman when we rode. So he would say, Karina, we need to play you're getting tired because your foot's on the brake. You're still indicating. You're too close to the car in front. And then when we get off the bike, he'd help me put my disabled badge on. He'd he'd help make sure I remember my phone, I remember my key. He's helped me on and off with my jacket and my helmet and things like that. So to ride without him was emotionally and physically really, really hard. Mm. So I started my vlog. I already had vlogs of podcasts, sober podcasts and things like that um, on YouTube. But then what I did, I extended it to riding solo. And that's what the series is called, which is But it's not just solo. riding solo. It's riding sober. So mm -hmm. it's riding sober. And... Um, like you say, they were proud of us for our sobriety. Yeah. But can you imagine the pride now in the fact that you haven't picked up a bottle? You've still done the riding and, you, you know, the sober riding and you've pushed yourself even more. I mean, you said to me, yes, you know, and I, I listened to it, you say it on your blog, that you thought you were running away. And I said to you, I don't think that's what we were doing. I think what we were doing were, we're not running away from our grief. We're not running away from, you know, the toughness of it all. I think we're giving ourselves a break so that when we come back, we've built ourselves up enough that we can cope with the devastating grief that's going to, we know is going to hit us because like everything, it's, it hits out of the blue, mostly when you're tired. So when you come back from these trips, you're usually quite tired and quite emotional. Mm. And the grief hits, but you've already built up some stamina, et cetera, to be able to cope with it. And you work your way through it and you come out the other side and you get your determination to go and do something else. But I don't think we're running away from grief. I think we're embracing it, really. I, I think the thing is that... Um... You know, both of us were carers for, for our yeah. loved ones. And um, I, I, know, I know it's the same for you because we've had this conversation. Yeah. As, as, as earlier, we, we do talk a lot that actually our grieving process started way before yes. our partners died. And um, you know, mine definitely started in September last year. So well over a year ago now when Andy got his diagnosis of the Richard's transformation. And... I just knew that I was going to lose him and my grieving started then. So kind of when he died, and although you still keep the hope along with everybody else and you can still kid yourself, it's going to be okay. You're there with it 24-7. Yeah. You know, you're facing the reality. And it's hard. It's hard watching somebody pass away and die. Um, it's also an honour. I, I remember saying to Andy um, a couple of weeks before he died that this, as awful as it was, it was the most intimate experience ever. And he said, I agree. 
um, because you have the spiritual connection during that time. I mean, you and I are both lucky enough to have the spiritual belief that um, the spiritual connection is absolutely out of this world, actually. Although the physical is is going, the spiritual connection grows. It's just the outer shell that's gone. Yeah. The inner remains. And I think I am thankful for the sobriety that helped me deal with that grief because I feel like I haven't, if I'd have been drinking, my grief would have been postponed. Mm. It was the first time around. My grief was postponed the first time around because I started drinking. Yeah. And I didn't actually address my first lot of grief until after I'd stopped drinking this time. So, and I think I was able to deal, I don't know about you, I'm able to deal with the grief as it comes and work my way through it rather than pick up the bottle mm-hmm. and shove the grief down to be dealt with at another time. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting, you know, one of the things, because with, with my vlogs, my vlogs are about everything. It's about riding, it's about sobriety, it's about mental health, it's about disability, it's about everything. I'm eclectic, I'm all over the place, so I yeah. bounce everywhere, you know. Um, and... Definitely one of the things I said the other day on my blog that I realised was that I, th- I started drinking at the age of 14 to fit in. I then started drinking to block emotional pain and latterly then to block physical pain. And something that I've really realised um, just recently in the last week or so is that actually I, I'm okay dealing with emotional pain now. Yes. It does, yeah, like you say, I get in, I get back from tour, I fall in the heat for three days, I howl my eyes out. I you deal with it. But I deal with it and it's okay. Yes, it's painful, mm-hmm. but I, I don't struggle dealing with emotional pain anymore, which the irony of that, when I drank for years and years and years to block all that pain, um, is lost on me really. Uh, the physical pain, I, I struggle with more now than the emotional, emotional pain. pain. But I think... Um, I think, like I said before many times, my biggest gift in sobriety is this clarity, this clear mind that allows me to deal with these things. And I think we're dealing with them as they happen and we come out stronger each time because we're not pushing them to one side or suppressing them with alcohol or whatever it is we're actually dealing with them in the now in the moment mm. that they're happening and we're dealing with the real issue because the thing is that, that we do tend to push things down and then when we add anyway as human beings and yeah. as we push things and then we block things with with whatever whatever addiction or yeah. whatever substances we block and we block and we try and get rid of things but the thing is, is that when somebody says something to us or something happens to us in life and we then get like really, really upset, it's not actually the thing that's happened in that moment. It's something from way, way back. back and it's the accumulation of times that that's happened. We're making it mean something it probably doesn't mean at that time. The beauty and sobriety is, as I've said before, and as I wrote about in my book, it's like your comfort blanket, blanket being whipped away from you. Yeah. You have nowhere to hide. You're exposed to all the elements. And there from there, you have to start dealing with stuff. And you deal with stuff from the past and from the present. And it helps you better 
equipped for the future and because it helps us live in the now. Now, that's what I say. And I think that's what you and I have come to realize that, especially with a lot of the stuff we've gone through, like you say, we started our grieving process long before we lost them Mm. um, or long before they passed. And when the, the actual physical body said, I've had enough, you know, I'm moving on. We were ready for them to move on. We were happy for them to mm. move on because we'd watched pain and suffering. Yeah. And so we were happy for them to move on. And they were happy for us to move on in our lives in a way. Um, and also, like you say, not pick up the bottle to do it with respect for them. But not only that, out of respect for ourselves. Mm. Yeah, You know, we respect ourselves and I love doing new things now because I was married twice, over 30 years the first time, almost 20 years the second time. And I had a conversation with my one son recently because I've just got back from Australia. And uh, I said, he, he said something and I told him, well, I've been married most of my adult, well, I have been married all yeah. my adult life. Adult life, yeah. And he said, well, I said, I think it's time for you, mom. He said, I think you've done your time with all that now. Mm. It's time for you to start living your life. But I think that's what we're doing. And we're doing it because they, the, because of the way they were with us while we were becoming sober, it gave us the, they almost gave us their permission to get on and do these kind of things. Mm. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah, and with with their passing, it's, as we said earlier, it's given us the freedom to go and do that and to do the things that, that maybe they wanted. I mean, a lot of things that I am doing, things that Andy yeah. wants to do, but he yeah. just couldn't physically do them in the end. So I'm kind of doing it. I mean, I've just didn't, the reason, one, well, one of the reasons I'm here, obviously, because I love you and I want yeah. you to come to see you. <laughs> but I actually came. my bear's bear bed. Yeah, he's squishing his bear bed. It's very comfortable. Um, but I actually rode to the wall on Saturday um, at Burton on Trent. And it's something that Andy, it's something that Andy and I hadn't heard about until I got my Can-Am when we joined the Can-Am um, group. Yeah. And we did tours the year before last around the Isle of Wight. And they, they've been amazing, actually. They've been really, really good to me because they knew Andy as well. So, um, but they'd mentioned it about riding to the wall and what it is, thousands and thousands of bikes, once a year, at the beginning of October, go and ride to the um, National Memorial um, Monument in Burton-on-Trent. And Andy wanted to do it, but he he just couldn't. He wasn't, wasn't we worked physically yeah. enough for us to do it once we found out about it over the last two years. And so this year I went and I rode to the wall and it was the most amazing, amazing experience. And I, yeah, I got tearful. Yes, it was emotional. It was emotional and tearful anyway, just to yeah. be part of nearly, well, I think they think 7,000 bikes. It was the biggest one ever. So it was emotional to be part of that. You've got... um veterans are there you've got people who've lost limbs who fought in recent wars you know youngsters um you've got old older people there who are probably war widows and yeah. they're, they're standing at the side of the road and on the bridges saluting you waving you smiling you clapping you you know it's just absolutely amazing but i was like 
crying thinking oh baby would have absolutely loved this then I'm like no you are loving this you know you're with me you're, you're with me all the time and I think that's the thing is that's when my when it hits the, the grief when it hits me is that I, it's the realization that I won't in I know that I'll see him when I die I know he's going to be there waiting for mm -hmm. me but I will not physically see him again or feel him in this lifetime but I have also learned that at times I just have to stop. And uh, there's one um, at Petwood Hotel in my vlogs, the realisation there was I just have to stop. I just have to close my eyes and I just have to feel him. And he's there. He is there with yeah. me. Um, it's just, it's one of my good friends, so she said, they're always around us. It's just that we don't always feel them because we don't allow ourselves long enough to stop. So I think that's some of the stopping as well is just actually... I found I'm slowing down a lot. I mean, there was, like you, I kept doing stuff during that first year. And I, even though people say to me, you're going to slow down, maybe. I don't know. It just, just depends, you know. Mm. Um, I still haven't slowed down maybe physically, but I am slowing down mentally. Mm. My mind isn't racing at 55 miles an hour or whatever now. I can stop and I can puzzle things out a lot easier because my mind is not going all over the place. Um, once again, clarity. And I just think if I hadn't have been sober, I couldn't have done all the things I've been doing mm. in the last year or so. Um, so not only did they give us the gift of freedom, the gift from my sobriety as well is allowing me to do all the things I'm doing now. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's allowing me spontaneity. Yeah, just do. I mean, my mind probably hasn't settled down quite as much as yours, yeah. but, but it's more when I'm riding and I'll set out to ride or do a day from A to B. I talk to myself. And it would just go off. I'll end up going here yeah. or end up going there. But that is, I, I think when you've come from being someone who's poorly and your whole life is That's based focus, around yeah. hospital appointments, emergency appointments, watching the steps in, yeah. you know. Um, to then suddenly it, it's like you're from there and, and then like you've got all this time and you can do whatever you want with your time. It's, it's a big, it's a huge change, but it's a nice change. And I think it also makes you realize that, that things, I mean, we know things can change in a moment, but when you go through things like this, it's, it, the reality hits home and yeah. And so you want to make the most of every moment while you can I think yeah. that's what we're kind of doing really and can can you imagine doing all that nursing of Andy or me nursing Dan with a hangover on the time oh. do you know what I thought about we this wouldn't have appreciated now. whatever time we had to with them at the no. end and we, and we know when we drink we're not fully present no you're not there so we wouldn't have been there and I used to think about this because he was in Bart's for all of December and all over Christmas last year and I'm just there with him. And I, I thought about this and I thought, gosh, there was all these. I mean, Bar St. Bartholomew's Hospital is um, right in the city centre, the square mile. Yeah. So you can imagine all the Christmas parties. There's pubs all around the hospital that were going on. 
the old me would have been down there having a party with the best of them, having a drink, you know, and then yeah. swearing back up onto the ward if I if I bothered, if I didn't just go back on the train. Um, I probably would have been sneaking bees into the hospital and sitting there with him hour after hour, drinking a bottle of wine in the corner or gin while he was sleeping. Yeah. Um, but we didn't spoil that time we had no, with them. No. And it didn't even occur to me to do it. No, not at all. I, I actually just felt grateful and thankful for my, my sobriety. And I think that's the important thing here is that in the beginning, and we've spoken about this before in previous podcasts, in the beginning, you know, most many people's fear is the fear of never drinking again. Yeah. How can I never drink again? And you and I both realized quite quickly in really, probably about sort of five, six months. Yes. It became a fear of ever drinking again. Yeah, and it scares me because um, I live on my own now. I know I've got family close by, but I live on my own. There's no one monitoring me. No. And that scares me. Um. I'm being totally honest here. It scares me because I know full well, living on my own, if I was to pick up a drink now, I would be way back down in that pit mm -hmm. in no time at all. And I worry then that living on my own, I would fall. Um, I'd have some kind of accident. Because there's no one to police me except me. Except for you, yeah. I'm the only one who can police me now. Mm. And the fear of ever drinking again is there. Yeah. Do I ever sit and think, wouldn't it be nice? Yes, I, I do. I'm, I'm totally honest because it was a habit I had for almost 20 years. Mm. So you can't take the 20-year habit and forget about it all at once. I used to smoke and occasionally, very rarely, it'll be, wouldn't it be nice? But then you've gone through all that to give up the cigarettes. You've weaned yourself away from the alcohol. You've educated yourself like crazy on all the ways that alcohol affects your body. You went even deeper into it. You did your book. I did. That was really, really... I That's intense. It was, yeah. And it was, the stuff I learned on that was just amazing. Just yeah. the research and that. And it's like, wow, 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 you know... Um, but that's why I say sort of, yeah, the first year I was on the phone, was also the port group, second year I was yeah. on my laptop all yeah. the time. So, um, and that was kind of one of the sad things really, I guess, is that in the acknowledgements, I thanked Andy for that. So thank you for being with me, putting up with me on the phone for yeah. the first year and my computer. Now let's go out and live. And of course, then unfortunately he was poorly, but just listening to hearing you talk there, I think it actually... They freed us twice, didn't they? Yeah. They helped us, or free ourselves twice, because they helped us get off the drink. Yeah, they were there for, they were our major support. Yeah. And then they helped us with this. And, and we know, the thing is, that what you and I both know, that when we drink, and, and how you get at, at the end of your addiction, or how I was, it was a slow suicide. It is. And you're going to kill yourself. And <clears throat> because everything will... It is poison. You are going to be ill. And Dan and Andy didn't want to die. They wanted a bit longer. Until yeah, the end they when wanted they to live. It, they wanted to live. So, you know, why... Why are we going to throw away, throw that away the gift? The gift that they've given us, really. And, I mean, and the only one we know that although they were our big support and our, our biggest cheerleading section, it was only because we personally wanted to get sober. 
mm. that we manage to give up the drink because that's something we talked about earlier. No one can make you give up the drink. You can't give up the drink for or any other reason than for your own self. Yeah. It has to be for your own self. And you said something earlier because um, you're off on another jaunt next week I to am, Malaysia. Yeah. And you asked me, would I interview you for a podcast? I and it to do with the mommy wine culture and um, it's the loaded truth about the mommy wine culture and we read a couple of pages of it last night and then one of the things you said was you read something in your son's book that said mommy's drunk again yeah but it didn't stop you drinking no, no. and I read that when that, Jack was probably about 10 or 11 but he must have written it when he was about 8 <clears throat> and I was like, oh, wow. And um, and this is the thing, you see, this is when I was with Andy, because Andy and I were big drinkers first yeah. time round. Mm. Um, we split up 12 years, got back together for three years, and we didn't really, well, I didn't drink then. And I, I'm just looking, actually, at my um, yeah. reasons for giving up and why am I doing this? I don't want the physical and emotional pain. I want to press the stop, not the pause button. I want to enjoy every minute of this relationship and not wreck it with drink. And do you know what? I can stand here and go, you didn't wreck it. I, I did that. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Cancer may have had other ideas. But, but <laughs> yeah, and um, that's right. I mean, um, I'm proud of the fact that I gave Dan the last two years of his life so with me sober. Yeah. You know, fully present. Like we said, you mm. like you said not long ago. You, when you drink, you're not fully present. No. We were fully present for every day mm -hmm. of that last part of their lives. And we're fully present in our own life, even though we're dealing with their grief. Yeah. And I think we're dealing with it, and I'm not bragging here, we're dealing with it with dignity. And we're honoring not just them, but we're honoring ourselves and patting mm -hmm. ourselves on the back for what we've done. I mean, I don't think it's bragging or anything like that. I think it's acknowledging that we've worked hard to get sober. We didn't do it because they were sick. No. There was some of that in there for me because I started worrying about what happens if he gets sick in the middle of the night mm. and I've mm. had a few drinks. That did play a little bit of a part, but it was only because I was just sick and tired of it. Mm. Sick and tired of dragging ass. Yeah, and I remember at the end, I just, I didn't even like the taste of wine anymore. I didn't, well, no, I didn't it was... like it. It was just like, or, or gin, or I didn't like the taste at all. In fact, it wasn't even touching the sides. I wasn't even tasting well, it. How many times did you get a bottle of wine and you tasted it and you thought, this tastes horrible. Horrible, yeah. But you remember getting past the first gla glass and, and you thought, that's it, I'm yeah. in it now. Oh, yeah, it was tasted right. After yeah, it tastes all right yeah. now. But oh, not anymore. No. Um, and I think that's where, you know, when you, you were saying earlier, I mean, I'm I'm quite lucky, I think, at this moment in time that I don't miss it. Mm -hmm. I don't miss it at all. I don't sit here and I don't think, and I think this is good to discuss because it shows that everyone's journey is different. Yeah. And I don't sit here and think, oh, wouldn't it be nice? Mm -hmm. I, I have absolutely no FOMO. Mine is always JOMO, the joy of missing out. But But again, it's just the irony for me. It's the thing that that was my go-to. I could not get through a day's work. I could not get through, a, like we said earlier, you'd have to get, you'd get through, you'd wake up each morning, right, 
what I've got to do today. You get through your day and you'd get through your day to the point of being able to open the yes. bottle. And that was my whole focus of my day was when could I have my first drink? And how many things did you put off? Because you wanted a drink and these things would interfere with that time. Yeah. So you never did them and you put them off. Now, there's, I don't know, but there's no pro procrastination. No. If it needs doing, get off your ass and do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's all like, you know, as I was saying about like my mind, it, how it works, especially when I'm riding, I do a lot of grieving and thinking when I'm riding. I'm mostly happy. I always remember King saying to me, you found your little girl, because obviously a big part of a journey is finding the little girl in yeah. us. And I found my little girl, and it is my big little girl smile comes out when I'm riding Bumblebee. Um, but it, I don't have anything. If I want to go here, I go here. And if I yeah. suddenly go there, apart from the other morning when I unexpectedly <laughs> stayed over at my son's and I had to get home for my medication, I yeah. had any medication with me. But that was quite funny that day because it's like, Oh, you go. Oh, you go there. No, I can't. I've got to go home and take my medication. That's it. But, <laughs> but the fact that you can think, well, I'll go here. I'll go there. I'll go there. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, when you were drinking, it was like, oh God, have I got to go so and so? Yeah. Do I have to? Yeah. Can I not not just sit here and let this day go? Yeah. Now we don't waste the time we've got. No. Because we know how precious time is, and. I said, and I said to you, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, because sometimes, like when the weather's like this nice, like sitting outside a pub and just enjoying being social. Mm. That, I mean, it's not the actual alcohol content I miss, it's the atmosphere of it mm. sometimes. And, but like I say, the fear of ever picking up again would, it just stops me stone dead. Yeah. But we we had we sat outside a pub today yeah. on the river with some chips yeah. and some uh, alcohol alcohol free sparkly didn't yeah. we you know you um, know, um and, it, it, and like I say I didn't need a buzz or anything no. it was just you could have put sparkling water in a wine glass mm. and it would have had the same effect for us because we don't need the alcohol content no and the thing is there are lots and lots of more pubs now doing. Alcohol-free alcohol and different options. You've usually got a couple of lagers now, a beer, um, a cider, and as you found out today, uh, yeah, sparkling, sparkling. So and that was nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we are living proof, folks, <laughs> that you can have an absolutely wonderful life without alcohol. Even though we've gone through some tough stuff, alcohol would not have made any of this easier to cope, if anything. No, and I think actually that we're living proof that we can live and be alive. Yeah. I, I don't ever remember having felt like this for years and years no. and years. I've not, I don't think I've ever, yeah, I've been alive, but I've never lived. I've not lived, and yes, I've I've travelled the world. I've had a great career. I've done lots of fantastic things in my life. I've had some great relationships and not great relationships. Um, but you know, I've not. Although I've done all that stuff, I've not lived. I've not felt alive like I feel now. I think I feel more involved in my own life. Mm. I'm not on the periphery of it. 
I'm right there in my own life living it. Yeah. Um, and I think, like you said, something you said earlier, this feels real. This feels so real to me. And yet, I don't know about you, but sometimes I walk around with a big-ass grin on my face. Yeah. For no other reason than I'm just grateful and happy that I opened my eyes this morning. Yeah. And that we can feel. Yes. We can actually feel something and we allow ourselves to feel. And that no matter what, the acceptance for me is huge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the acceptance that it's okay to feel whatever yeah, we like feel. Um, I did have a little bit of a thing, you know, because a couple of weeks ago I thought, well, perhaps I'll start reducing my medication and and it was quite, it's quite raw, and I'm like, why am I doing this now? What's this about? And then I thought, ah, I, I think what it was, was one of my little trickster thoughts, probably my little ego was like, you're too happy. Yeah. You've just lost your partner. You shouldn't be enjoying yourself so much. So I know. We'll make you reduce some of your medication. And then make you can feel start like shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did exactly the same thing because it was... Um, I said, okay, I started taking these because of all the stress with looking after Dan and all the stress for, from drinking and trying to look after Dan as well. But, and I thought, okay, Dan's passed. A lot of that stress is gone. Maybe I can start reducing. Yeah. Who was I kidding? Yeah. Not going to happen. And I've come, I've come to terms with, um, yeah, I do take a mild anxiety medication. And do you know what? If I need to take that for the rest of my life, I'm okay with yeah. it. Yeah, if it makes you feel level, level, then why not? And that's the same as me. It's like, why, why, why did I make myself feel, you know, unbalanced when, you know, I'm, let's face it, I'm not that balanced anyway. I'm no. Not really Your balance is crap. <laughs> Both busy emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got better since you stopped drinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad we've done this. Me too. Um, folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us ramble. We will end this podcast and probably sit and ramble on a lot more. We probably will. Should I just tell someone what my vlog is? Should I, go ahead. Just Should I plug myself? I'm not very good at self-promotion, am I? So, yeah, Excuse me. Brag on yourself, <laughs> woman. Brag so on yourself. So you find my vlogs on YouTube and it's Positive Recovery with Karina. C-O-R-I-N-N-A. And there's lots of podcasts on Sabertown Podcasts of the same title. And you can find me there. You find me on Facebook as Karina Alderton. We'll put the details in the write-up. Um, and you can find my book. Oh, what's my book called? Earth okay. to Z. of Alcohol and Sobriety. Everything you need to know, mm. even though Karina Alderton doesn't know the song. <laughs> <like a robot. laughs> oh, my God. I did write it, honest. It was all my own work. And um, other things you can find me on Instagram and that at CanAmGirlUK, which is C-A-N-A-M, a girl UK, all one left, one one word. Don't forget the UK, though, because if you put in CanAmGirl, you'll get this really hot chick in America that does all this stuff on ATVs through water <laughs> and mud. Okay, that's and it. The guys will be going yeah. looking for the hot chick now. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Um, you don't stand a chance. But... and. What I will say is the platform that we're using, SoberTownPodcast.com, has been huge in our recovery. It's been massive. And folks, do go to SoberTownPodcast.com because it's non-profit. You're not paying for anything on it. It's all free. And it's all people who have volunteered their time, like us, 
We're not professionals. We're only ordinary, everyday people. Again. They'd never so, have known, though. No, shut up. <laughs> Shush, don't tell them. Uh, <laughs> and um, you'll find a lot of resources on there, actually. You'll find um, before and after photos. Some of them are quite shocking. Oh, they're great, aren't they? I've yeah. I've them recently. And I think that's a good thing for anybody to do. Go and Especially if, you, yeah, or, or do your own photos. If you're thinking of giving up or if you've just given up or whatever, just take a photo and follow your journey. And follow one, oh, take yeah. another one a month later and see the difference. Difference. Or if you are already sober, go back and just look at your photos from before you got sober and put That's them it. side by side. It's quite incredible. Quite and incredible. we both know, I mean, we didn't get sober just like that. And about you, but the attempts to get sober were numerous. I can't remember and how hard many. Work and yeah. hard work. Yeah. Um, but perseverance. And to me, it was education. Yeah, and connection. Education. Oh, my God, connection for starters, yeah. yes. So, so we met on the I Am Sober app, app didn't yeah. we? Um, but we, we then sort of started podcasting with the, the lovely Drifter and Fall yeah. Drifter on Sober Town Podcast. And both those things are fundamental, really, in my, in my journey. Yeah, they're the foundation. Yeah. They're the foundation. And um, like I say, SoberTownPodcast.com has got so much on its website that you can go to and you can email them as well. Yeah. Um, this Because we've all read different books, so we've all put our recommendations for books. You'd be inundated with titles that have helped us. Not always books about sobriety either. No. Look at you with the... Um, with the... Oh. With Maccasey's book. Yeah, well, I love that. That that was such a key thing in my um, journey, which was the boy... The mole, the fox, and the horse. I can remember his title better than my own. Your own, yeah. yeah. But yeah, two of the things that really struck there was what What is the bravest thing you've ever said? Help, said the boy, because I wasn't brave to ask him for help. And um, when were you at your strongest? And it's when I dare to show my weakness, which is something that even in my early sobriety, if I look back at my posts, they're all positive, positive, positive. I wasn't letting people see yeah. the the not so positive sides. And do you know what? I, I realised from them that it's okay to show your weakness and that actually it helps other people it's in like, doing that. Yeah, and like you, you were saying not long ago, uh, when the grief hits and you allow yourself to just be yourself and sob your heart out mm-hmm. and allow all that emotion, because emotion is what makes us feel vulnerable. Yeah. And to allow all that out and not suppress it, mm. that's the best part. Yeah. Well, I don't like you, but I've enjoyed this. I have. It's been great. And do you know what? They've got uh, listeners, if you want to go to my um, YouTube, Positive Recovery with Karina, you'll get an extra special treat today as well because you'll get a two-for-one on there as well <laughs> because Polly A is the star of my show around Worcester today. So that will be good. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a lovely day. We started with breakfast Yeah. Um, at a, a lovely little cafe and we wandered around through the cathedral and up through Worcester. And then um, um, we wandered back home. Karina had a nap. I had a cup of tea. <laughs> you make it sound like a nice lazy stroll. How many steps did we do? About 6,000. Oh, my goodness. No wonder I needed a sleep. Yeah, we just had over 6,000. With my walking stick. And, but, oh. yeah, like you say, you only had your walking stick. Yeah, There's no walker, no wheelchair, no. just a walking stick. A walking stick. And that was a lot of steps for you. It was. It was. That's the longest I've walked in a long, long time. But it there was you good. Go. It was good. And the sun was shining. So, yeah. folks, go to SoberTownPodcast.com. 
and look at all the resources on that page, all been created by volunteers, all been created by people who met on I Am, well, 98% of the people yeah. met on I Am Sober. There's a few people we've gathered along the way. Yeah, and I think that's a nice thing, isn't it, that Sober Town Podcast is now becoming its complete own entity yeah. and it's taken off and people are hearing about Sabre Town separate mm. from other things. And we've got yeah. quite a lot of collaborations going now as well. Yeah, and Erica Spiegelman. Yeah, there's all that with um, the, um, and there's uh, Sabre Town have actually got their own podcast, their own uh, Zoom platform. Yeah. They're doing Zooms mm-hmm. and they've actually introduced a, although I am sober, have ladies only Zooms, which you and I help get off the ground. Because we feel that ladies need their own space mm. to, like we say, let the emotions out. So there's there's a lot more places where ladies on their own can go and find support, yeah. love, um, in a, a ladies-only atmosphere. So there's lots of resources out there. It's become it's become not just AA and where AA is wonderful and it's been a bedrock for sobriety mm. for the sober world. There's now more than just AA. So there's that you can cherry pick from any kind of recovery thing. Yeah. What uh, works for you? Like you were saying, you know, everybody's journey is different. Different. And what works and what works for me some days might not work the next. We have yeah. to get a real toolbox of things, you know, and I think the thing is, there is help out there. There's lots of help out there, but it's not going to come looking for you. Uh-uh. You have to go and get off your arse and yeah. go and look so, for um, it. So we've given you sort of a few tips. There are places to go and look and go and get support. So the rest, my friends, it's, it's up, up to, to you. Because <laughs> only you can get you sober. Yeah. So from myself, Polly A, I wish you a wonderful, wonderful day. And for myself, Karina Alderton or Karina Dotty Pot on I Am Sober, I'd like to say chin chin and not another drop no matter what. And I will say to you, no sippy, no slippy. Ta-da for now. Ta-da for now.